Welcome to this week's episode of It's Not That Deep. Uh, this week we'll be discussing why do we self-sabotage? And uh, I think this is a really, really interesting topic because so many times we perhaps, I know it's happened in my life, don't engage in something or almost spoil it in order to almost kind of not have to do it or because we're scared of something, maybe it's like, we'll explore all these different things. But I'm sure all of us listening, and I know both of us have experienced situations in our lives where we have got in our own way. But what's all that about then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Why that's... do we do it? It's so weird, isn't it? Like, we've got these opportunities and we seem to kind of spoil them so that we can go, oh, well, I knew I couldn't do that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a big question, isn't it? And and I think when when I was thinking about this topic for today, I was thinking there were three things that sort of sprung into my head, really. One of them was about kind of not feeling good enough. Mm. Um, so, uh, and, and, and that feeding into a kind of a, a self-sabotage. Oh, like a confirmation bias, you know, like I knew I wasn't good enough, so that things won't won't work. Um, yeah. And then there is what you just alluded to, which I think is a sort of it 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 saves us from failure yeah. somehow to not engage with something, you know, that that sort of saving face. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If I don't even try, then I can't have failed. And people can't laugh at me or, or yeah. say I told you so. Yeah. I'm, I can't look silly. I can't. Yeah. But of course. You know that that's that's a really self-limiting thought because actually, if we don't even try, then we're not going to know yeah. whether or not we can do something. Yeah, we literally can never succeed if no. we don't even give it a go, and and so it, it comes from this lack of self-belief. I suppose it links into what we were talking about in another podcast around low opinion of ourselves that we carry these beliefs about what's possible, what we are able to do. When we haven't even stretched that comfort zone, you know, we haven't even tried something new. And often what's the worst that can happen? And I think we brought that up um, in another podcast that, you know, I remember sharing that um, a family member was going for an interview, you know, and and were worried about it. But what's the worst that happened? You don't get that job, but you you try for another job. And recently, my son, um, he actually passed his driving test this week, but you know previously he actually didn't pass and there was part of me that was glad that he'd experienced some kind of failure in his life because he's really not experienced what it's like to fail and just have to get on with it and try again and I think that's a really important life lesson that it's not the end of the world to fail right yeah and there's and like you say there are very few I'm struggling to think of any occasions where failing is insurmountable is something that we can't come back from matters that much really or life-threatening or whatever you know absolutely I mean I suppose only in dangerous sports or something but apart from that there's generally another opportunity to try again um so yeah I think it's actually can be really helpful to to recognize when we might do that again I you know there's been um experience with a, a client who admittedly did sabotage an opportunity to do something several times in a row but hadn't been really aware of it Mm. but it's just their kind of 
actions always occurred around this time where they could have had the opportunity to do that thing, but hadn't put two and two together as to why they behaved that way. No, well, no, absolutely, or even that it's a pattern. I think that that it becomes a pattern of behaviour, and and that is becomes a way of being. So what. In, in therapy we might call a sedimented belief right so then we it's not something that we kind of get out to have a look at it it just it feels normal it feels normal and then we say things like that always happens to me you know I never yeah that's the whatever. way I am yeah yeah I'm the sort of person who I'm really unlucky yeah yeah I never have any luck in my life and how much you know we can influence that I mean I suppose Mm. things happen or they don't happen but we can certainly improve our chances or hinder them depending on our actions and our behaviours I'm I'm reminded of of, of a golfing quote slightly randomly I think it was Gary Player who said it's strange the more I practice the luckier I get yes (laughs) yes yes I know that quote it's true isn't it we can make opportunities for ourselves you know um, one of my children's got a job um, and they have to make a lot of calls in order to, to get business in. You know, it's no surprise that the people that make the highest number of calls get the most business, right? So, but a lot of people, I mean, I used to work training salespeople. And if you didn't pick up the phone, you know, you couldn't do the job. Um, so, yeah, it, it is interesting. I think that is, we've got to be able to kind of do it, yeah. put the effort in, go for it without fearing the failure and of course that's that's the hindrance isn't it yeah absolutely and and also the you know the the other side of that is sometimes i think that we get this feeling of of overwhelm right so the you know in a good moment we agree to do too much and then actually that feels overwhelming so then we we don't do anything so yeah. so you know there's a there's a self-sabotage in that as well yeah. kind of over committing and we tell ourselves we can't possibly yes. do this now there's way too much we've taken on too much yeah. and then we sit and do nothing and end up procrastinating yes absolutely that sort of paralysis by analysis thing you know which one am I going to start with and what's more important and and then you just spend you know all of the time fretting about that and, and never getting to anything yeah 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 it's it's um definitely again going back to our procrastination podcast this is a kind of self-sabotage in itself isn't it to just sit and do nothing and and worry about what should we should be doing for hours we could have been doing all these other things and so going back to that other point when we were discussing that these two kind of different types there's probably more types of self-sabotage but I am interested to explore not just the kind of fear of failure perfectionism type side of things but that sort of self-limiting belief that we can spoil things, particularly relationships and things, um, because we don't feel worthy of it or, you know, we just don't feel good enough. I think we have a way... Um, do I speak firsthand? Let's speak firsthand. Certainly, in relationships that I had as a, a you know, young, late teens, early 20s, if I didn't... Feel feel like I liked myself very much this lasted probably longer than that but if I was in a relationship with someone who was just really nice that would really almost be jarring actually because I would it would make me feel I would choose to tell myself the story that I was the not nice person and they were this really nice person and surely there must be something in there that that 
that I can find to make them seem human too because this just doesn't feel fair that I get grumpy or I get shouty and they just kind of drift through life being quite content. So I, I know that I almost engineered rows and, and arguments in order that I could sort of go, ah, see, you're not so nice now, are you? But I'd push them to that. I'd push them to, to fight back and defend themselves. But of course it ends up pushing them away. Mm-hmm. And of course the story we can then tell ourselves is, well, I knew that I wasn't worthy of that relationship anyway. You know. Yeah, everybody else thinks they're really nice, but I managed to get this not so nice version of them. Well, know? yeah, but it was even more than that. It was more that if the relationship broke down, it was because of me. Mm-hmm. I would take full accountability for it, but I deserved it. You know, it was yeah. like I, I, I sabotaged it. I knew I'd sabotaged it, but it sort of validated my ineffectiveness yeah. at relationships. I can't do relationships, and this is yet more proof of that, you know? And, I, and that kind of self-sabotage is really affects your life. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it really does. And I think for, for relationships, our blueprint for relationships comes from our childhood experiences. Okay? So that, that, <laughs> yeah, that first relationship that we see, you yeah. know, you know it, and, and we, we unconsciously kind of replay that. So if you know, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so I, the, the, I don't think either of my parents would, if they're listening to this, would deny that theirs wasn't the most happy of relationships. Let's put it that way. And you know, and for for lots of my clients, if they've had if they've had really unpleasant childhoods, for instance, you know that, and, and that happens a lot in that. I hear that a lot in the therapy room. You know that that they. Um, uh, what we would call an an, an, an insecure attachment, yeah. right? So where they um, felt really where, unsafe, where they felt unsafe, yeah. um, where they, you know, and if they're told they're not good enough, I've, you know, I've had any number of clients who haven't been particularly the daughter that their mum was after, you know, not pretty enough or girly enough or dancey enough or whatever it is, right? Too Didn't much. Want to wear a, pink? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too much of a tomboy. What? Whatever it is that 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 that. They grow up with that belief that they're that they're not they're not good enough, right? And and they won't amount to much. And and it happens in really subtle ways. Absolutely. So you're saying they're told they're not good enough, but it's not explicit like that. Sometimes is it, it is, and sometimes it, it's not. No. Yeah. No. So sometimes it just comes through the sort of general judgment mm. of why are you wearing that? Yeah. What have you got that kind of makeup on for? Or why have you done your hair like that? Yes. You know, yeah. those kind of comments, I think we don't even realise the effect that that actually has to have constant kind of parental judgment in that way. It's not that they've explicitly said you're not good enough. And they would probably, a lot of parents, deny that to the hilt that they've ever implied that. But this sort of implicit, subtle judgment yes. just especially a young impressionable child they're kind of reading that as i haven't succeeded here you know i've I've failed at being the child that my parent expected me to be yeah i'm not sporty enough you know um yeah that you're competing in something and 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 the the parent turns on the heel and walks away 
You know, it's interesting though because you don't know what your parents expect until no. you go against it Absolutely. you know because there is no right way to be a child is no. there if you look at the array of different interests and personality types and everything it's it's down to two parents expectations or perhaps just one parent's expectation that that child didn't perhaps fit and what the the not the, the sort of dissonance that that mm. provides and the, the sort of tension and then the unsafeness. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose then someone going into a relationship, if they've come from a, a judgy, unsafe kind of environment, they're constantly wanting their partner to validate them and make them feel safe all the time. And then if they do something that makes them feel unsafe, it's like, oh, you know, really triggering that yeah. kind of yeah. insecurity, I suppose. It's like you say sedimented now yes mm. yeah absolutely absolutely and and you know it it, it i see it all the time in in my in my office that 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 people we don't notice the patterns that we have we it's really hard when we when we're the one living it you know to to do that zooming out and be an observer of what's going on and think about you know is, is there a pattern here? Because what we think of are, are the examples, right? And those examples are all very different. There's something about work, there's something about my relationship, there's something about my, my friend, you know, there's something about the mechanic who fixed my car, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, you know. So these are all very different things. But actually, if you zoom out far enough, you know, you can see that, that there really is a, a theme. Yeah, there is a theme in there that, 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 that you're, that I'm part of, that I'm, helping to create and and that thing about if I can if I can change my side of an interaction then that changes the interaction as a whole and then things go differently that's really hard to when you're when you're in it it's really hard to be able to see that yeah and that you know obviously as a someone you know as a therapist that studied this stuff as a mindfulness teacher and practitioner yourself and we've practiced so long and hard how to do that and it can be quite hard to hold that mirror up to yourself because you can't kind of bs yourself if you're doing that zooming out you know you otherwise you're just kind of kidding yourself so you have to it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of honesty and sometimes we find things we don't like in there but the knowledge of it actually gives us the freedom to to do something about it. The ignorance to it keeps us stuck in the patterns. So it's worth it, even if it's a bit painful, right? We, our clients have to go through the pain, as we did, in order to, to find that ability to do that, to do that zooming out. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of that Portia Nelson, um, the autobiography in five chapters. So I'm not going to read it now but many of my clients will know it um and you probably know it as well about the falling down the hole yes um so it's Portia Nelson autobiography in five chapters if anyone wants to go and search um for it please do and and you'll recognize what we often refer to as this kind of journey of awareness really from falling down the hole with no knowledge and no responsibility to actually starting to realize I'm falling down the same hole and I know that I am, and I can get myself out of the hole, you know, to actually beginning to not fall down the holes. It's it's the journey, it's the yeah, work, isn't absolutely. it? Yes, and then finding a completely different route. So a, yeah. just being, you know, a different way of being. Yeah. yeah. But a different route for each 
thing yes you know it, it will still fall down different holes in future but we might recognize them quicker yeah. and self-sabotage is one of those patterns isn't yeah. it it's one of those habits actually and as we've discussed already a couple of reasons why we might do it um it's almost it's quite interesting and perhaps helpful to know why we do it mm. but the most important thing is to be able to spot the fact that we're doing it almost because we could get caught up in the oh it's because of my childhood and it you know and that stuff might need working through but at some point we've got to recognize if it's a behavior you know what what next yeah. right that I, I think that's so important you know that that when people come to therapy often there's a there's a real sadness when we get to a, a, a root cause you know why something is happening what they're waiting for is a sort of aha moment now and now I'll be different and I kind of have to say it's necessary to find that out but it's not sufficient it's the what we do with that now that's that's actually the work yeah yeah and that's obviously where you know we're really on the same page about something like mindfulness as a, a support to the the moving forward yeah because it practices exactly the tools that we need in order to change the behaviours now, to, to spot the patterns. It gives us that ability to cultivate more awareness and to spot it, right? Um, of course, mindfulness is just one of many things, but my area of expertise, so I'm always going to include that as one of the possible strategies. Yeah. So if we know... Yeah, so how do people even begin to know that they self-sabotage? Do you think there's a sense that we do know when we do it? I, I think there can be. On reflection, on maybe? On reflection, you know, that that if... So self-reflection is, is, uh, is difficult, right? And we don't always do it. But, and and there is a, there's a real honesty in it that, is, that can be really painful. And we can be horrible to ourselves Absolutely. in that process. Yes. It's not a kindly one. We can often be very harsh with ourselves when reflecting instead of compassionate yes exactly exactly so so that sense of you know can we look for a pattern and I think that's why I would say this wouldn't I but I think that's why therapy can be helpful because sometimes it's not something we can do on our own and we do need somebody to help us kind of see that pattern and and to and to gently point out you know, this sounds familiar does it remind you of anything you know that, that that helping you to kind of to be able to zoom out yeah yeah and i and i think that working out or finding out remembering why we got here can be super helpful can't it yeah um yeah, I mean, I was I was really lucky, obviously, as before I met you. Mind you, I don't think we were too good friends to ever for me to have the therapy with you. We clicked too quickly. But um, I, I had a fantastic therapist who, when I went to her, I'd had some other therapy before, but when I went to her, I was kind of like, look, I don't need to do all that sort of... I'm reminded of A Catcher in the Rye where Holden Caulfield says, right at the beginning, like, I don't want to do all that David Copperfield. It's like life story stuff because I kind of I knew exactly why mm. and so with with her it was very much about what next and and she happened to also be a mindfulness practitioner and I just discovered it at the same time so it was really brilliant to work alongside a therapist with the talking stuff and then to be able to continue with what I was doing and obviously it's led me here so yeah and if people feel really stuck asking for help can be can be a way because this work is actually 
I don't know that I could have ever done it on my own, just worked it out in my head. I think yeah. I would have got really stuck because I tried for years to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so I think that I think that can be really helpful and and there is you know there's 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 other things that that we've talked about before in other podcasts as well which is about recognizing the stories that we're telling Mm -hmm. um and because because for we believe them right that that we're we're very invested in them you know i'm the sort of person for whom life goes wrong you know this this always happens to me you know that and and recognizing that as a story and it might be true and it might not be mm-hmm. um and not everything goes wrong yeah all the time yes confirmation bias will make us find the stuff yeah. that goes wrong and ignore the things exactly. that actually go right and you know there's often a bit from from both sides of the camp aren't there yeah yeah so that can be really helpful and also you know we 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 touched earlier on 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 the idea that 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 perfectionism can be something that leads us to self-sabotage because if we can't be perfect then we're not going to try and so being okay with good enough you know that 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 we've done the best we can with the the available resources and and that's okay yeah and I think we touched on something in another podcast about just looking at the facts. What are the real facts rather than the stories that we tell ourselves? Yeah. I mean, I put a post up the other day, didn't I, about telling myself that I obviously had kind of not done very well and whatever because this person hadn't emailed me back after I'd done a presentation. And of course, I spent all the morning sort of wrangling with that. And then I got this email saying, oh, it was great. I loved it. You know, it was just a story, and even I fell into that trap. I was—I knew I was doing it as well. That's the funniest thing. But there was still this little voice going, "But it's probably true." Yeah. You know, stay with the facts, people. You know, <laughs> look up, look at your past evidence of when things have gone okay to to redress the balance almost. Yeah. 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 That's so important and so hard to do. Yeah, so so I suppose that's it, isn't it? Can we recognise stories? Can we be honest with ourselves in a kindly way to kind of bring awareness to it without it being another stick to beat ourselves with? And does it have to be perfect? Yeah. Is it okay to just, to be good enough? Mm. Because our idea of perfection is only a fantasy anyway because there's no such thing, is there really? No. Because mine perfect will be completely... Well, it won't necessarily be completely different from yours, but it won't necessarily be the same. No, no, it just becomes another story. Progress versus perfection, I think that's what people say. Yeah. (laughs) Get somewhere, do something. Yeah, one small step. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to It's Not That Deep with Lucy Woods and Adrienne Kirk. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe so you never miss an episode?